0: maybe 91 years old, but I, I still love young people and I see in them the hope for the future and uh, I see an opportunity for tell, to sh- tell them and show them that the walk with the Lord is a wonderful walk. It's, it has so many rewards in this life. As well as in the life to come.
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Talk to Me, the show where I get my friends to talk to me. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. Before we get into it, make sure you hit the subscribe button, press the like button, hit the bell, do all that nice stuff because if you do, you know that YouTube's a little bit nicer to me and you'll get a lot more episodes just like this. Now, I'm so excited Joseph is in the room and he is buzzing as well because our guest is someone that I was hoping to get. I didn't know if I could get, but we did get. And that is because he's just always so nice to me. He's always so gracious to me. He is a man that has been in the ministry for I don't even know how many years at this point. He's a man who went from Kansas to Lebanon to Australia. And even that 91 years of age has not stopped working, has not stopped doing things to advance the gospel message, and that is Pastor Hester. Pastor, thank you so much for coming on to the show today.
0: Thank you. It's a joy to be with you, and uh, I've been looking forward uh, to this opportunity to, to chat with you about what God has been doing in our life uh, throughout the last lots of years and i was ordained to the ministry in 1954 so you can figure out it's been a been a few years
1: it has been 69 years you in ministry from 54 if my math is right that's 69 years that's a long time pastor that's a long time being in the ministry thank you so much for all that you've done Because your ministry has affected us in this room. It's affected pretty much everyone listening to this podcast. And our church wouldn't be where it is if you weren't faithful enough to stay in that ministry. So thank you for that. Now, how I want to get started, I thought we would talk about Cast Your Bread. So ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't read this book, get your hands on it. Because Pastor and Mrs. Hester told their life story, told us the lessons that they learned from their lives. Um, and told us how they went from Kansas to Lebanon to Australia. And I sort of want to talk about the Australia years because they're the, that's the years that really do affect um, our current generation right now. Um, when you came to Australia, you set up Faith Baptist Church in a house in Punchbowl. Yes. And as the years went on, you were able to acquire land in Croydon Park what was it like acquiring that church building and starting a church in Australia, a place you never thought that you would come to?
0: Okay. Well, let me just, uh, uh, just go back a bit and, uh, and say that for us, Lebanon was where we were going to serve and die. Mm-hmm. It was not negotiable. <laughs> and, uh, We just never considered any other option. But God brought conditions into our lives through a civil war in Lebanon, and we ended up having to leave uh, and come here in 1976. And I might add that God did some very unusual things that made it possible for us to even come to Australia. The the change of political leadership in Australia changed things so that we could get a visa to come to Australia. And so... We saw the hand of God on our lives and setting things in motion so that we could come to Australia. But of course, we were struggling with the fact that we did not want to leave Lebanon nor the ministry there. But everything seemed to be telling us that that's what we needed to do. So we arrived here, and when someone asked us about Lebanon, we just started crying. Tears coming down, and it was not under our control because it was a very traumatic change for us. Mm. And we'd never been to Australia. We didn't know anything about Australia, but we just knew that the Lord had sort of shoved us out of Lebanon and shoved us this direction, and so we were looking to the Lord to do it. Now, when we got here, there was a lack of housing, and our budget was $70.00. Uh, A week for a three-bedroom house, that was the market price, but there just wasn't enough stock in the market to easily rent a place. And so we'd look at the papers and the places where uh, houses were, advertised and real estate agents and we'd see a place and we'd go there to see the house and hopefully rent it and we'd find lines of people really yeah i mean it it was just crazy you know a line of people out to the out to the road and and usually the first or second person in the line just rented the house well and this went on for uh, a couple of weeks and we were getting discouraged because there just wasn't much you know, to rent And, of course, we sort of wanted to have a house that had a sort of a large living room or area where we could uh, start our services, you know, just for the beginning. And we just were not finding anything, and we were getting discouraged, and, and we were wondering, well, did we make a mistake? Mm. should we have waited till longer till things sort of settled down in Lebanon, maybe it would have happened, so anyway, the one real estate agent said he said, "I've got a house I want to show you now uh, He said, "Don't tell me no." he said it's a it's a two-story house." And it's got a lot of space in it. But he said it's sort of a special situation because the previous tenants just did a lot of damage. And the whole thing is just sort of a mess, even though it's a very quality house. And he said, I want you to go and just see it and talk to the to the owner. So I went and when I saw it in Punch Bowl, I thought, Oh my, we could never rent that. Yeah. It it would rent if it were cleaned up a bit, it would rent for double what we're looking
1: for. Able to yeah. pay.
0: And so We went and saw it and uh, talked to the owner and the owner had built the house. He was a a former contractor and he had left that house and built another one and lived in it. And I, I said, well, Sir, you have potentially a beautiful house there. You know, the grass is this high. And a lot of things, you know, like the screens had been ripped up and, and a lot of little things. And the, the, the big dogs had dirtied the expensive drapes, and you know it was it was, it was a, mess. a disaster, but it was the kind of things that we could fix, and clean up, and and make it into a, a nice place. So I said, "Sir, you, I know this house. It it would rent for a hundred and thirty-five dollars a week, not seventy." And I said, I'm almost ashamed to offer you this, but this is what our what our budget is and so what I could tell you is I'm coming from Lebanon, and I was a pastor of a church there, and we lost everything there in Lebanon, but I'm a bit handy. Around, I could fix uh, most things in this house and we could really clean it up and make it shine, uh, but that's all we could pay. Mm. So I don't know what you would think about that because your house deserves more than we're able to pay. And this... Uh, elderly gentleman thought a little bit. He said, he said, I'm going to rent it to you. I'm going to rent it to you for a year. That's great. And uh, that was just a, to us, that was a sign from the Lord that he was with us. He wasn't going to uh, leave us. And he was going to provide. So that was step number one.
1: So step number one really shows you that God had confirmed Australia. Was that house there confirmed Australia for you?
0: Because it was a horrible commercial decision for him. Yeah. I I was shocked. I didn't think he would (laughs) accept it. And the house was perfect you know it had two stories uh, a big double garage and uh, we and the the kitchen and the lounge room and dining room were sort of in a L yeah. all open to each other so it was perfect for uh having services in it and uh, so we started started in, in January 1977 with mm-hmm. the first service with 25 people wow. uh, uh, attending so we thought my this is great why we knocked our heads against the rock walls in Lebanon for years to get you know a handful of people And here God is just opening doors, and people were saved in the first few services. And uh, we were just seeing the hand of God work in a wonderful way. And before long, the little cul-de-sac was full of cars, and uh, we just hope that, uh, you know, some of the neighbours don't get upset with all the, all the cars and activity.
1: So, Pastor, you were in Punchbowl for a while. Um, how long was the church running in the house before it moved on?
0: Well, we'd been there about five months, I guess, and we were bursting at the seams. And so I took a couple of steps to see if i could find a church that we could rent okay and so i went to a, a preacher's meeting mm-hmm. and uh, asked them if any of them might be able to uh, rent us uh, at a particular time that would suit them and not conflict with their services. Uh, They weren't uh, very keen on the idea to... uh, So, in fact, they weren't happy that i was in australia why <laughs> uh, i guess they looked at us as as if we were uh, not Auss- aussies and uh, uh-huh
1: impeding and on the territory
0: <laughs> so it wasn't very pleasant and and i finally just said well I I don't know what your ideas are, but I know that Jesus Christ changed my life, and he did a work in my life that made me want to answer the call to the ministry, and I went to Lebanon for 17 years. I started a church in America before I went, and so... I'd just like to continue serving the Lord here in Australia and I would like to be a blessing to the ethnic people, the the migrants who've come here and I believe I can be a blessing to them and help them in their new life here because I do understand the culture and the life Mm. here. So I left that place a little bit uh, discouraged.
1: Was it frustrating?
0: Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, you know. I would
1: have found it frustrating. You're trying to do a work with, these, with this area yes. and then those that are meant to be helping you are just tossing you aside, really.
0: So I had a appointment, another appointment the same morning with just an individual pastor in Croydon Park and he was so kind he accepted me into his home and he listened to my story Mm. and he said that's wonderful he said I'll do all I can to help you rent a church that might be available that's awesome and uh, so that worked out I did something else when I came to I We needed to open a bank account for the church. And so I thought, I need to meet the director of the bank in Bankstown, and I'll tell him our story and ask him for advice how to structure our finances and what we should do. in our finances so that down the track when we find the church that's for sale, we can come to you and you'll help us get a loan yeah. for, for the church because it wasn't easy at that time to for a church, especially a new church to get a loan from a bank. And so he listened to, I got an appointment, and he listened to my story, and he said, this is very unusual. He said, I happen to be a born-again Christian. And he said, I will do all I can to help you so that when you find the church, you can get alone. That's great. And I just about fell out of the chair. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, well, Lord, it looks like you're blessing us mm. and setting things up for. And so when we finished the appointment, And he told us how to structure our savings and exactly how to establish a record Mm -hmm. that would help us get alone when the time comes. And then he said, are you ready for this?
1: I'm ready. Give it to me.
0: He said, let's kneel down here in my office and let's pray and ask God to bless this project.
1: That's great. That is awesome. So even though there were people that were I guess unhappy that you were in the country, God still sent people your way that were willing to help and get the job done.
0: So uh so about 7 months into mm-hmm. the the uh the beginning of the church we were scheduled to start having services Mm -hmm. in a church in Croydon Park. And then later on, uh, a year, about a year later, they decided that they were going to sell that church because it was the Uniting Church didn't really need it because they had a big church down two or three blocks away. And so this one would become redundant. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, oh, this is wonderful. I'll call my friend over the Bankstown Commonwealth Bank and see what he can do. Mm. And so I called and the receptionist said, I'm sorry He's he left here. No way. Uh, about the time, shortly after you, you came in for the appointment, and I thought, oh no, we just lost. Lost this contact. Yeah, I said, could you tell me where he is, so that maybe I could contact him? She said, well. He's been moved to the head office.
1: Oh, there you go. Okay, even better. Love it.
0: And you know that the head office is where these loans are ultimately approved. Yeah. Not in the
1: Not in the branches. Branch. He went to the big he went to the big spot. <laughs> He's got the big job now.
0: So to make a long story short, <laughs> he helped us tremendously. That's great. Get get loan, and we bought the church and when we had a dedication ser- dedication service for it, we invited him and he came and he spoke a bit at the <laughs> dedication service. And it was just a victory for the Lord that he, that God made happen. And we just knew that the Lord was working.
1: That's great. So dedication happens. You're now in this new church. God's done all this work to get you there. What are those years like at Croydon Park? The initial years of Faith Baptist Church at Croydon Park. What were they like?
0: Okay, well, uh, it was wonderful. We had two buildings. So it means we had a place for Sunday school and uh, a a big auditorium as well in the second building. And uh, we put a baptism uh, pit into the, the second building. And it was just a wonderful opportunity. And we just Praise the Lord every day that he did the impossible in in giving us that church Mm. for our services. And we bought the house next door that actually had belonged to the church. And so we were living next door. We were seeing people saved. And lives changed in a way that we'd never experienced in Lebanon. We were seeing families come to the Lord. And Faith Baptist today has a number of those families that were saved in those early days. And People that we married, young people that we married, they have children, and those children, some of them have children. And so it's just a wonderful story, a wonderful beginning, and it was just such a blessing to us to see God work, even though things were... Terrible things that happened in Lebanon ended up with blessing in Australia.
1: Those initial years, they were all in Arabic, am I correct?
0: The first eight years, okay, I did not preach one sermon in English.
1: Wow, eight years of Arabic in Australia. Uh,
0: but then these children started growing up
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they didn't know Arabic well enough to understand Arabic preaching. So we had to more and more cater to the English congregation. Yep. And so eventually we had a service for them and a service for the Arabic, uh, two congregations as it were
1: so was that co-current? were they running at the same time both services
0: well it it uh, required required you know a double work yeah uh, but god provided people to help and so it worked out quite well and uh i I might add that shortly after we got settled in the church and going well about the second year or two, I began to get sick mm-hmm. uh chronic fatigue uh I would get a pounding in my chest and lightheaded, and the only way I could get relief from it was to eat something. Okay. And after a while, I had to eat something every hour to ward off these very unpleasant symptoms. Mm. And it also affected my sleep at night. So we were faced with a dilemma. It was getting harder and harder to cope with the preaching load, pastoring the church, and I was carrying a, a heavy load of teaching at Sydney Bible Baptist College So uh, we were facing, you know, these issues, health issues. We didn't understand what they were. We saw every doctor and his brother trying to find out what was going on, and we just were not getting any answers. So... We found ourselves not understanding what's going on mm. we We said, "Lord, you took us out of Lebanon. We lost everything. we nearly lost our lives, and you brought us here, and you just poured out blessings on us because we had such an opportunity here in Lebanon. We were always under suspicion. They just couldn't believe that we came all the way from big America to little Lebanon just to tell them about Jesus. They said, we know all about Jesus. He lived when he was here on earth in this area. So, why did you come here you you must be a spy you must have some some motive for coming yeah. that was always an issue we were always under that aura of of doubt why were we there
1: yeah
0: and in australia we didn't have that we were sort of part of the culture, and English was our language. And so we were accepted, and, and we just had seen so much happen in the church and the way it had grown and lives that have been changed. And, and now I'm sick, and yeah. I can hardly hang on to do my ministry. Lord, what's happening? You prepared us for this. You got us ready for this. And we came and we're seeing such a harvest of people. So why are you allowing me uh, to be so sick? I can hardly stay in the ministry. So we were struggling with that.
1: So struggling with that, how do you deal with it? Do you get more help in the ministry or do you just take it day by day and just rely that the Lord's going to take care of you?
0: Well, I was just, uh, I was just taking it day by day, but, but I knew that I needed to have some answers because humanly speaking, if it continued... I wouldn't be able to function yeah. in in the ministry if I just didn't have the health to do it. So we were asking God for answers and all the brethren were were praying. And so a number of things happened. A doctor here said that he suggested that I go to America and go into a special hospital that deals with environmental uh, uh, issues. That maybe there's something about your having a reaction. Mm-hmm chemical reaction, allergic reaction to something in the environment. And this is the only hospital in the world right now that is dedicated just to this, here, this issue. And so we made plans to go. And we uh, saw another doctor that we'd read in a magazine about him that talked about issues similar to the issues that I was having. And so we went to see him and he discovered that I, my stomach was not uh, manufacturing the acid that's necessary for me to uh, assimilate my food and process the food that I was eating. And he said, this is not your main issue. There's something else going on bigger than that. But he said, this will give you some relief. And so he said, uh, you just take some acid pills, five big acid pills, like hydrochloric acid, like you put in car batteries.
1: <laughs> You're a machine.
0: <laughs> and uh, and so we went to a store and got it. We were in the state of Washington. Yep. And then we went out to a restaurant to get some food to eat. And I took those five big pills and had my meal. And within an hour, I felt like I was becoming a new man. Wow. And from that time on, I could just eat three meals a day and with the pills and I could pretty much be free from this terrible symptoms that I was having. So that gave us time and I could stay in the ministry. It was still a struggle, but I could stay in the ministry. So uh, things rocked on Mm -hmm. for about 10 years and during this time i i was losing sight
1: okay what year is this
0: and uh i was also becoming less mobile
1: uh what year was it 1990s that you started to lose your sight or was it earlier
0: this was an ongoing thing okay and when i lost began to lose sight and have problem walking very far, mm. the, the eye doctor got, got he sort of panicked, and he said, something's wrong. We've got to get to the bottom of this. Okay. And the end of it was that I was diagnosed with a, multiple cirrhosis EMS that actually destroys the nerve system yeah. of the of the body yeah and and my EMS was focused on the eyes okay. and the legs
1: okay
0: and uh, so the The neurologist was supposed to give me what his what his findings were. And we went and he was, you know, beating around the bush and tiptoeing around. And I said, Doc, I can handle it. I want you to just tell me in plain English what the problem is. Don't worry about my response. God is in control of my life. Whatever it is, I can handle it. I can take it to my God. And so just stop.
1: Stop waving.
0: And just tell me the truth he said well he said uh okay you it's it's ms that's the problem and uh and i said uh, uh he said the first thing i'll tell you you need to do is to leave the ministry because the ministry is a high stress yeah Uh, work dealing, dealing with people and problems and all this kind of thing you need the first thing you need to do is to get out of the ministry and I tears came to my eyes and I said Doc I would rather be in the ministry and die early than to leave the ministry and die later well. He said, so. Well, I'm just I'm just telling you what's best for you. That's up to you.
1: How many years were you in the ministry at this point in Australia?
0: Well at that point I was serving and doing what I should do, but I was doing it against impossible odds. Mm. And and I just realized that if God didn't undertake that I wouldn't be able to to keep up with things mm. and so but but when I got the when I got the temporary relief because of the doctor in America that it helped me sort of tang on. And just stay in the ministry, and pace myself. So, that's the way that happened.
1: And what year was this? Was this in the nineties?
0: Well, I was I was diagnosed in nineteen eighty six. Okay. And uh, uh, the doc said that in four years. He said you're a textbook case because you contracted the disease when you were older. He said you won't have these swings. Yeah, uh, you know, get better and then get a lot worse, and you'll just have a steady, slow deterioration. So he said in four years you'll you, you'll lose functional. By that means you won't be able to drive. You won't be able to read normally. You'll have to get, you know, high magnification, and uh, you'll have to begin to adapt yep. to the deterioration. And uh, and that's exactly the way it happened. But a few years later. Uh, I was working on a house that the church had bought next door and doing some repair work on it. And I began to feel strength that I had not felt for years in my body. And I thought, this is this is weird. Okay. And so I began to push myself a bit with the work that I was doing because I had to be very careful. If I overdid, I could have pain in my legs and uh, body for a month yeah. just because I overdid it. And... So when this happened, I began to just overdo a a bit and see, and I found that the next day I was okay. And it ended up that God just stopped the progress of the MS at that point in the 1990s. Wow. It, it I can only explain it that God did it. But of course I was all but blind in the left eye mm-hmm. and I only had about a quarter of the sight in the right eye. But at that point the, the uh, MS became dormant okay. remission and uh exercise I was able to walk a lot more and do different things in order to stay in the ministry and stay quite active
1: that's great that's that's a great story that's awesome so how much longer do you continue to serve at Faith Baptist before you do hand it over
0: ok well uh I put nineteen ninety four as the date when when I moved out. Okay. And uh the new pastor took over.
1: Uh so you went from sorry to interrupt, you went from nineteen seventy seven to nineteen ninety four yeah. serving as the head pastor of Faith Baptist Church. Yes.
0: And then I was I I remained at Faith Baptist in Croydon Park, but I went out and preached a lot in other churches. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I was was, uh, also the principal of Sydney Bible Baptist College, so I was doing that as well.
1: What was it like to see Pastor Bill take over and you sit back as a member of the church and see the work that God did in you continue to grow?
0: Well, it was uh, relaxing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You can finally Uh, take a breath.
0: I told him, uh, I'm glad it's your problem, it's not (laughs) mine. Uh, But actually it was seamless Mm. because we had worked together.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. as uh, he, uh, as my associate. So, it was a perfect, seamless transition. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was very respectful. Uh, we never had a crossword in all those years. And uh, it was just really wonderful. And I had a special... Uh, philosophy about what I should do and what I should not do okay. as a former pastor, especially staying in a church that you've handed over to somebody else. Uh, but it worked out perfectly. I kept my mouth shut <laughs> while I was leaving, most of the time. <laughs> And uh, I respected his leadership, and uh, when he wanted help, he asked for it, and I was happy to give it. So things worked out beautifully. And then, of course, I left. I left there uh, about 2000 to pastor the church in Blacktown, Mm -hmm. which we'd had a big part in starting and uh, so I pastored it for four years and then uh, I stayed in the church and did a lot of the Arabic preaching and Pastor Sam Jukadar uh, did the English preaching and then we worked together in the Bible College Mm -hmm. so uh I stayed another six years there. And then I felt like it was time for us to go back and to Faith Baptist in Croydon Park that was in the process of moving uh, from Croydon Park to Regent's Park. And so... Regent's Park is still stuck with us.
1: I remember that day pretty well. I think I was a teenager at the time, and you came back, you stood on the pulpit, and you said, we're back, and you're not getting rid of us this time. You said, if you're going to get rid of me, it's going to be in a box about this big, and that's the only time I'm going to leave Faith Baptist Church. So I remember that day well.
0: (laughs) Yes, well... We felt like that, <clears throat> I love young people. i uh, maybe 91 years old, but I, I still love young people. And I see in them the hope for the future. And uh, I see an opportunity for tell, just tell them and show them that the walk with the Lord is a wonderful walk it's It has so many rewards in this life as well as in the life to come mm. and uh when I was able i I was always walking around looking for young people to buttonhole and ask them how they're going for the Lord uh in the last couple of years. Because of my wife, Kathleen, I haven't been able to do that, and I miss that mm. but uh, uh we're very happy and and comfortable that Faith Baptist is a wonderful church, and we've got a wonderful pastor. he came to our church as a nine-year-old boy from Lebanon. I saw him in Lebanon when he was about four or five years old. And uh, his relatives were in our church. So he grew up in the church, and now he's the pastor. And believe it or not, I do what he says (laughs) unless he isn't saying right
1: pastor there's been so many years you've been at faith baptist church there's been so much that god's done in your life Uh, like we said at the start of this it's been 69 years since you started in the ministry if you could go back if you could go i call this the time machine segment if you could go back in the delorean take it all the way back and say one piece of advice to a younger self what would your piece of advice be for the young richard hester
0: well I I don't think I have any special revelation I I didn't feel like I was capable of being in the ministry to start out with but I realized that God could use anybody and that the important thing is That I be surrendered to His will and that be the main thing in my life. And I can say that I've never regretted being in the ministry. I've never considered leaving the ministry. And if I could do it over again, which I'm not going to do, (laughs) not in this body. I would I wouldn't make any changes. I'd do exactly the same thing. But I would just hope that I could do it a little more intensely with more dedication and with more love to our Lord Jesus Christ. And the souls for which he died. I I would just say, just be obedient, just follow. The Bible says the steps of a good man ordered of the Lord, and he he delighteth, he finds delight and joy and blessing in walking in those steps. And that's all I want to say, because we' de- we don't deserve to be in this ministry,
1: yeah.
0: we don't deserve to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ, and we feel so inadequate. we feel our weakness, but thank God that His grace has uh, enabled us. And so the secret in my life with all the problems that we've gone through in the latter years of our ministry and the sickness and the just insurmountable mountains that seem to be in our way, God just took us through them day by day and has made it all come out for his glory. And I can say that sickness and the heartbreak of Lebanon, these issues were the greatest blessings in our lives, although at the time it seemed like it was disaster and Armageddon but god just made it all come out in a wonderful way and that's what we tried to say in this book cast your bread on the waters just cast it just give your life to the lord let him take control and he will use everything you do to do to accomplish something and to bring glory his name Uh, that's what i would say
1: that is that's a great message that is a it's a phenomenal message for a younger pastor for a younger man in ministry and ladies and gents like pastor hester said like we said at the beginning of this podcast make sure you read this get your hands on it you can get it on amazon it's on kindle um it's in a church bookstore around you Uh, Cast Your Bread, it's a great story. I've read it twice, Pastor, just so you know. I love this Mm. book. Um, There's a lot of great lessons in there. And Pastor, if I could ask you one last question before we wrap this up. If you had something to say to the current generation at Faith Baptist Church, what would you tell them? You have a love for young people. You have a love for people keeping their, their hearts right with the Lord and staying in His work. What would you say to... Faith Baptist Church today?
0: Well, I would say that you live in a unique generation. We have more knowledge today and less common sense than any generation that's ever come before. And there's a lot of things to get you off of the track to have a fruitful life for the Lord. And you may have to make some hard choices. You may have to stop some things and start some other things to keep your heart focused on the Lord So I would say you've got a lot of dangers. Ask God to guide your life. Ask God to show you what you're doing that could end up taking you away from God's purpose for your life. And just don't let it happen. Just love the Lord. Say, Lord, you're in control of my life. Speak to me. Show me from your word what you want me to do each day and just lead me not into temptation. Help me to avoid those things that would destroy my life or my ministry for Christ. Uh, It's, you know, Young people, they face things that I never faced. You know, I never had a television till I came to Australia. And we had locks and chains and all kinds of fences around it for our daughters, Mm. what they could watch. And... uh, So we live in a unique generation. And with all of this knowledge and all of these things to enjoy, people are miserable today. And they're, with all of their sources of entertainment, they're depressed, they're having mental issues, Suicide is on the the table and it's just proof that nothing except Jesus Christ and a complete dedication to him him can bring blessing and happiness and satisfaction to you. Mm -hmm. And I thank God that he's allowed me the privilege of being able to serve him all these all these years. And I just wish I'd have done a better job of it.
1: Well, Pastor, thank you so much for the years you have put in. Thank you so much for the lessons you've given us today, the knowledge you've given us today. We can't thank you enough um ladies and gents make sure you know what to do subscribe like this share this around this is one of those stories that you don't get to hear often um this man god has used and i can't thank you enough pastor for being here today thank you so much for coming onto the podcast you're
0: welcome and uh you know i've got lots of little stories as uh, we didn't have time to go into today but but uh God is a great God and uh, he answers prayer and he does some things that just would never happen
1: uh, unless he
0: did it himself. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you. And don't you worry, we're going to do our best to get all those stories out one way or another. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again. Pastor, thank you for talking to me.